0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 8th of February, a tradeless deadline for the Jazz. What does it mean? Why did it happen? Where does the team go next? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and trying to make sense of a tradeless deadline. It's interesting. I saw a report that the Jazz were one of only four teams to not make a trade. Um, San Antonio. Um, can't remember who they were. The only thing is, I think it had Minnesota and Utah in there. They already both made trades early in the year. So. The idea that they didn't make a trade, they didn't make a trade in whatever we're defining as the deadline window um, of trades. The first deadline window really, by the way, happens early in the season when if you trade a player, they have to have a window by which they can be traded again before the deadline. That's actually the first trade deadline window. Uh, The Jazz took advantage of that, moved Alec Burks, who then got moved again the two months later. So if the first deadline was February 7th, then the or the first if the deadline's February seventh, there's a previous deadline that's actually about December seventh, um, in which if you act on, then your player can get moved again another time. That's a side note though. Uh, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This Locked On Jazz program is available on Spotify, on Google, on Apple, and you can tell your smart speaker when you get in the car, or your smart device in the car, to simply say, "Play podcast." Locked on Jazz. So, let's try to figure out why the Jazz didn't make a move. Uh, And by the way, I I kind of, um, you know, I get it. Opportunity by which to improve went by without doing so. Last offseason, I don't know how that feels to you as a fan, but could feel the same way since the Jazz... uh, did the exact same, you know, brought the whole team back. And I don't actually know what the window was there um, to improve, frankly. So, you know, I think if you're sitting here right now and and you freeze time, uh, it looks as though there have been two opportunities, one of which last offseason might not have been a big opportunity, um, where, you know, a lot didn't, nothing changed. That, in your opinion, can be either good or bad. So Memphis was unique, and... You know what's interesting is I know John Hollinger and I know Chris Wallace well. Both are super bright. Both know the game really, really well. Um, Both have been around for a long time, so they understand how it works. But there was no common thread to what Memphis was doing. Now, this does make you wonder whether Robert Pereira, the owner, is heavily involved in – or he's heavily involved in some things and not others. When a team is tearing itself down, as Memphis was – it would make sense if you could see a common thread taking place. So there was a—it's been mentioned in the Athletic. I'd heard it. There was a pretty strong rumor that Memphis had the ability to trade Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green to Houston in exchange for Brandon Knight and a first-round pick. And if they're doing that, then what they're do, then they are taking. They're, they're at that point. You're deciding. We're going to use our space. To bring to get picks um the Brandon Knight has another year on a terrible contract because he hasn't played at all and you decide you know what we'll take that but it gets us a pick so we're we're not going to be winning next year so we'll take the uh, 15 million dollar contract next year in exchange for a first round pick all right that makes that's a strategy instead they didn't do that instead they traded Garrett Temple and Jamichael Green to the Clippers for Avery Bradley, whose contract is, expires at the end of the season. All right, well that's a perfectly good strategy. That means that you are now just trying to clear space. You're you're just going to get out from all of your contracts um, and and see what you can get. Um, his twenty, the, there's a two million dollar guarantee on Avery Bradley's con if he's waived by July third. So, all right, that makes sense. You're clearing cap space. However, then they go and trade Jonas Valanciunas or trade for Jonas Valanciunas. And if they're trading for Jonas Valanciunas, then that's confusing because next year, Jonas Valanciunas has a player option at $17.6 million. And they traded for CJ Miles. Who next year has eight point seven million dollars on the books on a player option he's most certainly going to take. And they traded for Delon Wright, who's a restricted free agent. So he's a young talent, but he's a restricted free agent. You're going to pay. Well, then they then they certainly, if they're taking in all those contracts, must have gotten a really good pick from Toronto. And they didn't. They got a second round pick. So now I'm watching this. And we were live on our show last night, and I have no idea what Memphis is doing. Usually you can look at deals and be able to say there's a common thread amongst the deals that leads you to understand what they're trying to build. So if you're the Jazz and they're doing the Brandon Knight deal, then you're like, okay, they're trying to clear cap space so they can use that cap space to go get picks. Which, by the way, if they're doing that, they should have traded Mike Conley to the Detroit Pistons and either got one or two first-round picks from the Pistons and taken back Reggie Jackson. If you don't care about dead money on your books next year because you're just trying to acquire picks, then take the Reggie Jackson deal back and get either one or two picks. But they didn't do that. If you're trying to clear space so that you can do it with the future, then take the Jazz deal of clearing space and get a, fir- a first-round pick from Mike Conley and clear all the space. If you're trying to get multiple first round picks or a young player and a pick from Mike Conley, then you're just overplaying your hand. Like I'm a Mike Conley fan and I think Mike Conley could have helped, but let's have a reality check. He's a 31-year-old point guard with a 30 million dollar contract. I'm giving up a first round pick for him. I think he's really good. I think he's unique in that he's been to the conference finals, and I think that there's a lot of value to having him. I think he brings um, great ex- playoff experience. I think he brings a calmness, everything. I mean, he's just an incredible, if you watch his interviews, he's just an incredible dude. He's played, as I mentioned, he's played 56 playoff games. Like, he's been there, done that. He, From a Jazz standpoint, I thought he was a beautiful fit. He brought some uh, calmness to the point guard position with Donovan there. He um, brought you veteran experience because he'd been around and could give, you know, Donovan and uh, Rudy are really absent a veteran leader other than Epe Udo, who doesn't, you know, he's just a great dude. That's just because of the personality. He doesn't have basketball. There's nobody on our roster that's really been through it at any great level. So there's an incredible, I was all in on the value of Mike Conley, but you're trying to get two first-round picks or a first-round pick and a young player for a 31-year-old point guard who has two $30 million years left on his contract? I mean, point guard, it's changing a little bit, but I'll bet you if we go look up any of the projection systems, whether it's Kevin Pelton, Shoney or 538, I would guess they have Mike Conley falling off the cliff, right? 31-year-old guards are tough. And so he's going to get you know, 32 and then 34. Uh, you know, I I just don't quite understand what Memphis was doing. So uh, that that's why a deal doesn't get done. There doesn't seem to be a common thread and a rational player going on there where you can build a deal to make it get done. Or the fact that they couldn't get anything for Marc Gasol, and really felt they had to trade him because Mark had become pretty grumpy, and the fact that they didn't go get a pick for Brandon or for um, in the other in the deal for Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple, maybe this side they had to get a huge haul for Mike Conley, and then they didn't. I I, they traded three of their five starters, and were left with an expiring Avery Bradley, who they may waive, Valanciunas. DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles' contract, which is bad at this point, and a second-round pick. So nothing that helps them forward. Stunning, really. So I, I think that's why um, nothing happened, uh, is the irrational actor theory. Uh, a bunch of names that we have gotten used to hearing... And talked about have all moved. Uh, What is the impact of that moving forward? We'll take a look at that. And uh, then we'll address where the franchise kind of sits and stands right now after a trade deadline uh, that did not yield uh, any new players or any quote-unquote improvement. It doesn't, by the way, productivity, as I talked about yesterday, it does not always um, mean productivity. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Cunday. I was parked over at Park City the other day, right next to one of those little Konas. Love those. I was like, I'll bet that person loves that car. That's what I think happens. I was walking up the uh, stairs the other day, and a nice couple said hi to me, and they're like, we bought a Hyundai from Murdoch just because of you. And I was like, do you love it? And they're like, oh, we love it. And I was like, yep, that's what did. I drove my sons down today. You may have seen that my Santa Fe was covered in a little bit of snow. Uh, The Murdochs are... Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street. It's also, they're also in Linden. That's where Blake's spending a bunch of his time. And up in Logan. If you're shopping for a car right now, take a moment and at least add Hyundai to the list. Find out, if you're looking for an SUV, what the Hyundai Santa Fe Ultimate will give you with all for the money and all the details. Find out what the Kona I was just talking about, which is their small, zippy SUV, similar to the Subaru uh, Crosstrack. See what that will get you for your money. And I think you'll be super impressed. Plus, you get the Hyundai 100,000-mile uh insurance. Warranty, the best in America. And you've got all the Murdoch guarantees of uh, oil changes, safety inspections, all the things the Murdochs bring to you. Extended hours of service to match your convenience better. Uh, price match guarantee. It's at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Uh, the other one out there for you is Homey. Now, if you're in the market to buy or sell your car, Ask yourself, why is the system the way it is? And is the system that's been in place for a long, long time where you're giving away a significant percentage to your real estate agent really the fair, right system to have out there? And if you wonder about it, then look into Homey because Homie was built completely for the purpose of revolutionizing the real estate industry. And they have really done exactly that it's pretty amazing what they've done houses are now selling faster with homie by two days houses are up selling and they're not just they're the houses that they're selling are above uh the market value or the market average right now um they sell homes for 99.3 percent of their listing price and the amazing one is that you can go you start at 199 dollars no matter the cost of your house to list it. And then when you close the deal, you end up paying a set fee um, that is saving people on average as much as $6,000 if you're selling a, <coughs> excuse me, I choked up about that. Um, if you're selling a, you know, when you're selling a big number house, it's unbelievable what you save. Um, so you sh- really check it out. Homie doing amazing things in the, uh, in the real estate world, changing it all there for you. Text lock L O C K E to eight eight five eight eight for more information. Text lock to eight eight five eight eight for more information. They're beating the market sale price. They're beating the market in time on the market. It's ve- it's the number one real estate brokerage office in the state of Utah now. Increased two hundred forty percent from year to year. Why? Because people realize homie's doing something awfully cool. All right, where right, we've had a bunch of players that have the Jazz have been talked about, and I think that's because the league looks at the Jazz' unique power forward situation where Derek Favors takes the second fewest threes of any starting power forward and makes the second least. So only Taj Gibson takes fewer and makes fewer. And then you've got Jay Crowder coming off the bench who actually takes like the third most but makes the second lowest percentage. And so I think the rest of the world looks at our power forward position and says that's an area where they would change. And there's been a tremendous amount of movement in that position. Um, You know, started last year, Bielitsa changes from Minnesota to Sacramento is there. Mirotic, who was talked about a lot, was traded from uh, Chicago to New Orleans and now traded New Orleans to Milwaukee. Otto Porter, who's been talked a lot about, um, and I just really don't have any idea if he's really a four or a three, got moved to Chicago. Tobias Harris, um, who we've talked about a, a decent amount, got moved to the huge Philadelphia deal. Harrison Barnes, who I can't figure out if I think he's actually good or not, or if he's a four. I think he's a four. Um, I really can't figure out if he's good. I don't think he's ever been used correctly, but I'd, I'd be awfully nervous to roll out a lot for him. Um he got moved to Sacramento. Um, and so there have been a lot of the guys that, we, you know, we've all talked about if that was something um, that was planning to be a change was to try to go to what now is become a more traditional setup of fours. Um, that there, you know, that's been a lot of different movement. There's – you know, I don't know what the price on each one of those would be, and we'd walk back through it and try to figure out whether or not, you know, would have Washington, is there a deal that Washington would have taken? Obviously, their goal was to get under the luxury tax. Um, so you could have probably helped them with a. You know, we can just go to the trade machine and play these games. But Derek Favors and Tabo Cephalosha. But now you're without Favors, and you better make sure you're all right with that. And they got Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker, which is two younger players. And neither Derek Favors or um, Tabo Cephalosha matches the timeline to where Washington is. So, you know, I'm not going to go through every single one of these um, and try to figure out. You know, the Tobias Harris deal is really fascinating. Um. And I said that, like, all week long. I thought that was the most, int- Mike Conley and Tobias Harris, I thought were the two most interesting players, and they actually went the opposite direction of what you would have thought. I would have guessed Tobias didn't get moved, and I would have guessed that Mike Conley did get moved. And I would have guessed that Tobias Harris, with a on a three-month rental, didn't get a lot, but Philadelphia has the confidence that they're going to be able to re-sign him because they gave up a haul. You give up that much in your Utah, and Tobias Harris doesn't re-sign, oh my god. Goodness. I mean, you really might knock the franchise out for a while. So you now I think with what Gail Miller has here and what Steve Starks' presence built and what Dennis and Quinn have built, the more hands on touch we can have with a player, um that's our chance to getting someone to re sign. Like if someone actually comes in house and sees what we have, I think and understands Quinn's brilliance and the level of detail of the program that Dennis has built and the support they get from ownership and management, I, I, I think you have a chance to keep a player uh, because of how well done things are. If we're just a neutral place and have to go, you know, out-duel Brooklyn or the Knicks or, or the Lakers or the Clippers for someone, I, I think that's that's going to be an awfully hard thing to do. We can all make that decision as 48-year-old you know, parents of two, that we want to keep our life here instead of Los Angeles, but I'm not sure. I know many 28 year olds or 30 year olds that are willing to do that. Um, and frankly, at 28 and 30, I wasn't willing to do that. So it, that I it's that's a difficult, um, that's a difficult sequence uh, there for you know to try to play that game with Tobias Harris. So anyway, I mean, I don't want to walk through each of those but it does it's a little like you know you kind of wonder Milwaukee's in a little bit of a financial situation and maybe maybe the intention is not to change our unique power forward situation maybe maybe the intention is that 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 uniqueness matches to what the Jazz want they have an elite level defensive group um That starts. I mean, Zach Lowe has just written about it kind of constantly. I think to the point of which that it has to change, and he knows it doesn't work. And um, and Zach's the premier voice out there on the NBA, and so maybe we've all just bought into it um, that he's right. I look at it a little differently. Um, That let's not kid ourselves. Our starting lineup has a really hard time scoring. Okay, so And you can see it every night. Now, that could be because of Ricky or that just could be lack of spacing. And every time they throw to favors in a corner for a three, it's a win for the other team. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Um, but if you if you look at it this way, the starting lineup um, is plus 2.6, which is just average. Uh, and, and they're 17th percentile offensively, but they're 89th percentile defensively. So they're plus 2.6 per 100 possessions. They play about 10 minutes a night together at this point maybe 12 um, and so I just have kind of grown to look at that starting lineup as a lineup we use during the night like we our starters actually don't play the most our most used lineup is the Rubio, Mitchell, Ingles, Crowder, Gobert lineup, which then gets into a traditional. We just see Jay as year four of shoots a lot, not very high percentage, but there's a huge value to shooting. And that group is 73rd percentile offensively um, and in the 60th percentile defensively and plus 14. So that's that's pretty terrific. Uh, And, you know, if we get into our problem lineups – our problem lineups are Rubio Mitchell Royce O'Neill J Crowder Rudy Gobert and Rubio Mitchell Corver J Crowder Rudy Gobert. Those are our, our two big problem um, lineups that we have right now that where we they've played a decent amount of possessions over 100 possessions and, and aren't playing well. Um, otherwise, you know, our best lineup is Donovan Royce Joe Ingles J Crowder Rudy Gobert. That's that line split 112 possessions and is. Now killing it at like plus forty or something ridiculous. It's both brilliant, both offensively uh, and defensively. Now, needless to say, uh, so I you know there is the narrative out there that the Jazz need to change what their grouping lineup is, and um, and it you know Zach has addressed it really well. I'm assuming that's where the narratives come from. He kind of sets the narrative of the league as a reporter and done a nice. He's explained it well. But I just view that lineup now as a lineup we use for five minutes that happened to be in the first, beginning of the first and third quarter, but we never close with it. And it seems to be, you know, holding its own while our more successful lineups uh, are able to play. Uh, so I don't know. That's, you know, maybe maybe there isn't a huge desire to go change that as much as we've all talked about it. Um, but those players have all moved, and it does feel like Tobias Harris is going to stay in Philadelphia, and it feels like Miritich will touch Washington, Milwaukee and decide it's heaven, um, and that Otto Porter is now in Chicago. And I'd be surprised if they're moving him. They view him as a piece. So a lot of those types of players um, are off the books. Um, Harrison Barnes is a player that, you know, I, I as I said, I'm not convinced what I think of him yet. Um, I just am not sure he's ever been used correctly, and so it's very hard to judge uh, who he is as a player. So where do we stand now? Uh, fans' emotion and Feeling on it. We'll touch on those things as we continue here on the tradeless trade edition of Locked On Jazz.
0: Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking
1: Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe, and as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right and theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains i tried everything massages chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy, has worked better than any of those for me. And now, the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet, it's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet, and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your gen four theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on com slash locked on.
2: Let me say this. I like. I'm trying to bring reason and rationale and understanding to why there was no trade by the jazz and explain the circumstance. I, from a fan standpoint, I got it. like, Here's a window by which we can get better, add a player, do something exciting. Um, you know, we have the roster flexibility. We have a, we had a uniqueness to the where the roster was with the amount of expiring contracts we have that you kind of could rev yourself up for it. Like we could have pieced, you know, we could piece thirty million dollars of expiring contracts together. You would have thought that that could have yielded something in the marketplace. It doesn't seem to have been the case. Right? It doesn't seem to be um, and frankly, I think it's interesting to me. I've played around last night trying to see, like, so <clears throat> Memphis was an irrational player, and so I couldn't figure out like what I would be able to do on that deal. And the the one deal that I actually thought I could have matched, if I'm the jazz, uh, is the Tobias Harris deal. Um so the Tobias Harris deal the Jazz could have sent an entire package of expiring contracts to the Clippers and given them the same amount of cap space to have their you know to do what they wanted to do um the the question is then, and, and and probably Grayson out, right? Because Landry Shaman has been really, really good. But then, four picks. Two first round picks and two second round picks. And that is just guts that a 2020 first round lottery protected pick, a 2021 first rounder, a 2021 second rounder, and a 2023 sec- second rounder. It's two. Four picks, two first, let's just call it two first-rounders. Two first-rounders for a two-month rental of Tobias Harris. I, I, I just wouldn't have that guts. Because you miss, and you've just ruined your franchise. Um, But that's the one kind of... I. Interestingly enough, in a window where you thought, with $30 million of expiring contracts and kind of the situation where the team is, that you could have really made a play of the guys, that's the one I've come up with. And I just don't know that I have the guts to do that. So where do we stand? So let me just, so I guess my point is, I kind of backed, I kind of didn't follow through. I hear the frustration, right? I, I, I understand it. I got it. A window closed. You don't really care why. You just wanted your team to get better. One hundred with you. Got it. Feel the same way. The non-rational part of me is a hundred percent with you. Damn it. Mike Conley could have made us better. I think, um, you know, I talked to David James last night for a long time. And David James, who got in a car accident yesterday and hopefully is doing all right. Our thoughts with him. Um, you know, I talked to David James for a long time last night. Like he's not convinced at all The a 31 year old. Mike Conley would have made us better. He was like, you really were in on that? Like, you think he would have made us better? And I just really liked all the experience and things of that nature I talked about earlier. But I think that's a completely legitimate point on his part. There's a chance he didn't make us better. There's a chance he's $30 million and you're tied up on those deals and he gets old. You better – if you're making a deal for and paying – like, if we trade for Tobias Harris also, by the way, you're get, you're also committing to a five-year contract for him, max contract for him next year. You better make sure if you're signing with someone to a five-year contract that's a max deal that you're right. And frankly, the five-year money number doesn't line up with us great. Because Gobert in the middle of that five years becomes a super max and Donovan becomes a max. And that gets to be a little... Now you're into the luxury tax with a team that's Donovan Mitchell, Tobias Harris, and Rudy Gobert. Maybe that's enough. But that's... You know, Dante comes up in that span and you're not resigning him no matter where he is in his career. So, there, you know, there's some real reason why even that deal that I say was possible from a five-year standpoint doesn't work at all. So where do we stand? Well... Simply, we stand in 6th in the West now with San Antonio losing. So we play them on Saturday for to get to 6th in the West. And I don't know if we can catch Portland-Houston to get to home court advantage. We have not been great against above 500 teams. Um, I Internal development is the next step of improvement. And I look at our roster right now, and I don't honestly... I mean, I think Royce O'Neal has made a huge stride. He's become a much better rim finisher and three-point shooter, as we talked about yesterday. I right, Joe Ingles is off by a tiny bit this year, but his load that he has carried physically is the highest of any player over the age of 30 in the NBA. Uh, so, therefore, I'm not expecting a different Joe Ingles in the second half of the season. I never, frankly, expected a 44% Joe Ingles again this year. He'd done it for two years in a row, which was amazing. Um, I expect Joe Ingles to probably be right around... You know, if you believe in the rule of 750, which is your first 753s, tell you what your next 753s are going to be in this league, uh, through three years of Joe's career, his, his his first 753s were right around 39%. If you're going to get from 44% last year to 39% this year, you're going to shoot 36%. I just, I'm I just not convinced he's as nearly far off as people think he is. Um, I think that Joe has just kind of come down a little bit in what's a natural kind of larger sample size Um, look at things. Um, So I I think that uh, when you look at that, Jay Crowder, who's a streaky shooter, I think is going to be a streaky shooter. Um, So really when it gets down to are the Jazz have a window to get vastly better in the next two months, it's Dante's return. Um, and whether that gives us gives us something. I mean, Jay's shooting thirty three percent from three. His career's thirty four. He has an outlier year at, where he shoots forty at Boston. Everything else in his career is right at thirty three percent. I think this is exactly who he is, and I love how high volume he is. Him taking ten threes a game is great. Uh, so I think you know we're are if someone if something's going to change dramatically now in the next two months, it's the Dante the six months from Dante. Um or the two you know the two weeks from Dante before the injury were him turning the corner and that he brings an element to this team post all-star break that we just haven't that we don't have. He's been out for since January 5th and you know we're pretty excited because the five games that he played before the injury were really good. Um he you know against Cleveland he was great, against New York he was great. In uh, those five games, he shot fifty-one percent and scored thirteen points a game and six assists. And uh, you know, the hopefully that five games was really a big turning point because the um, f- the five games before that he shot thirty-nine percent and didn't make a three. So, you know, I, I would probably lead to guess that maybe the more accurate is a ten-game um, sample size there is probably a more accurate depiction he shot 47% 33% from 3 and 9 points a game and looked better um so that's exciting hopefully hopefully we see that and that defensive prowess is there uh for the jets so that's where we stand i mean I, it, I get it i'm with you kind of a bummer you see that window as a chance to go add talent and and make the next step um and and it didn't happen i think Hopefully I've walked through to let you understand some reasons of why it didn't happen and that maybe some of the the moves that could have happened could have been the catastrophic ones that go the wrong direction. Time will tell. Uh, But we're back at it Saturday against the Spurs. Big game, head to the Warriors and then go to break. And hopefully everyone uh, has an awesome, fabulous break. And I think this team needs the break. I think this team is emotionally worn out right now. That is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On NBA today, Sam Amick reviewing the trade deadline with Adam Matas and Anthony Irwin. And remember, when you get in your car, you can tell it to play podcast Locked On Jazz. Rejecting the screen
1: has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov.
0: And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday.